This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. I should say that I, I did go ahead and post that link on our Facebook Live to that um, disaffiliation and youth ministry article because I do think mm-hmm. it's uh, helpful, right? It, it's full of like legitimate information and hopefully presented with like out really any spin. The only spin is you as the youth leader or the person that cares about youth ministry should care about helping get your youth involved in those conversations that are happening at churches about whether to stay a part of the United Methodist Church denomination um, or to potentially disaffiliate, become an independent church or join another denomination or start their own. So um, Mm -hmm. youth who have been confirmed are members of uh, your church. So they have voice and vote at any church meetings. And that's all I'll say about that for now. Right. Um, yeah. We are going to get into di- the last kind of week for digital youth ministry. And honestly, um, that transition from that disaffiliation article to this isn't as hard as I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> because disinformation and misinformation has become such a thing, uh, especially yes. in digital communications. And so um, we wanted to focus a little bit just on kind of cleaning up house last couple conversations about uh, digital youth ministry. And, you know, we may as well start with like communication, information, misinformation, disinformation. So um, when you're doing digital youth ministry, you need to be very clear and consistent with the information that you provide. Um, Mm. Because even if people mean well um, and try to tell somebody else what they think is happening on a Sunday night or what the deadline to register for the retreat is or whatever, um, you need to be able to have a consistent place that you can point people to that says, no, here, look, this is the actual information. These are the actual dates. This is the deadline. Please. This is the official, official, authorized, accredited, (laughs) approved source. It has the blue checkmark stamp on it. This 100. Yeah. Yeah. The bona fide proper one. Yeah, exactly. Um, One of the other kind of weird side effects that sometimes has something to do with misinformation, but um, also has ways of kind of involving the way that relationships are built uh, using digital platforms, unfortunately, is uh, online bullying. Uh, which for a yes. long time has been cyber, uh, been called cyberbullying. And, and we thought that was important enough. We gave an entire section of that uh, in the crash course on digital youth ministry to online bullying. Yeah. But I, I want to pause just a second because I, yeah. one of the things that you just said um, is, is an important note for us that we have not talked about. Um, and that is, as you are um, posting in your official social media accounts, right? Or on your website. Uh, It is really important for you to be careful about what you are sharing. Um, You are, um, you are speaking on behalf of an organization on behalf of all of the people really that attend and are members of that church. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and you are seen as your official accounts and, and, in many ways, your personal accounts are seen as sort of an an authorized or a you know sort of official source, and so about your faith, about Christianity, and so you see something that is like interesting or cute or funny, um, and you you post it, and then turns out that was one of those weird spam pages that when you go on it, yeah, there's religious stuff, but there's all kinds of stuff. You've got a real problem. Um, And 
the other piece is um, looking at, you know, you might post a, a video from a, from a, um, a Bible teaching that you found online and you look at it and maybe the, what they say in that teaching is, is fine, but they're not a credible source. You look at the rest of their stuff and they go off the deep end. And so what, what can happen is a kid sees this Bible teaching and says, oh, that's interesting. I want to watch more. My church says that this person is trustworthy. And then they go and they start hearing all kinds of crazy stuff on the rest of the people's videos. And and you and you were the person that sort of endorsed um, that thing, and so it's really important for you to be careful about the sources that you are using for social media posts. It's a really good point, and and being attentive and intentional really are are huge. I think when you're sharing those kinds of pieces, um, I, I love that you mentioned the. Um, <laughs> We keep coming back to that word, the official nature of your position, right? Like you mm-hmm. might not even be thinking that way. Um, however, uh, the the language that we used to use when, you know, all ministry was completely in person all the time was almost like uh, doing ministry in a fishbowl, you know, uh-huh. that um, as the youth leader or as a church staff person, it's almost as if you are on 24 hours a day. And so it's very right. important to be authentic in the approach that you have to ministry. Um, and the people that you're in ministry with may not be able to draw the line between, oh, this is like uh, Greg's personal view versus this is Greg's official church stance or church staff or church volunteer kind Mm -hmm. of view. Uh, And online, those things get blurred really, really fast. Um, And honestly, that's picked up a ton with uh, like meme culture also, right? Like um, it's so easy to just click a, a meme that, you think is pretty funny because you read it in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. And somebody coming at it from a different place or a different context might look at that and say, I, you know what? I didn't think that Chris believed that at all. That's very strange. And I'm going to start to write you angry comments and not really talk about why I, you know, got or, by your image. Or worse, they don't write you angry comments. They <laughs> just write an angry email to the SPR chair. Oh yeah, that's always always a good way to go for sure. (laughs) Um, Now I wouldn't classify those as part of like, you know, online bullying or cyber bullying necessarily, but you know, people's behavior online versus people's behavior in person uh, has been pretty well documented how different it is and how different it can be. Um, Let's go ahead and start to talk uh, about online bullying from the youth perspective and about how much that can change I mean, real world stuff for them, how they think, how they feel, how they act. Um, yes. So yeah, take it away. So, you know, I think, I, I think there's, online bullying is interesting um, because of what you were just talking about, right? <clears throat> so when I, like even on Zoom, Zoom is a little mediated. So, so when we talk about communication, there is the communication that happens when you and I are sitting in a room and, um, and I can see all of your micro expressions. I can see all of your macro expressions. I can hear the tone of your voice. I can watch your posture, all of that stuff. And when I say to you, um, Chris, your beard is turning gray. 
right? I can watch, I can see you shrink in shame or <laughs> rise up in pride or whatever it is, right? I, I, and, and it's well documented. When you do that, I will mirror in micro expressions the same things because we, I will feel a little bit um, of what you're feeling. Sure. And that full bore communication, um, it, it limits um, the, the hurt that people will inflict on each other um, because they, by inflicting pain on somebody else, you're inflicting pain on yourself, right? Yep. That's, uh, and so the, every step you go down from that. So Zoom is, is a little more mediated. I can see you, but actually in order for me to look in your eyes, I can't look in your eyes. So like, I'm looking at you right now. I'm looking at the camera right now. When I look at the camera, you feel like I'm looking at you. But when I'm looking at you, it feels like I'm not quite looking at you, mm-hmm. right? You go all the way down to like things like that are completely text-based and asynchronous, right? Where I'm never going to see your reaction. Uh, I'm never going to, none of that is happening. And every, every level down is a level that is removing the the sort of emotional and relational consequences to my communication with you. And so sometimes online bullying can happen from a kid who would absolutely never, never, ever, ever do that in person. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would never say that to a person's face because they would just be mortified. They, but, but when they are behind a screen, asynchronous, uh, they will, do and say things that in the real world are would never happen. And that's what makes online bullying uh, uniquely uh, damaging uh, as opposed to just in-person bullying uh, because of how, uh, how, how easy it is for us to, to say things that are hurtful. And we've talked about it in our, uh, adolescent brain pieces that we've talked about, yep. they they can't always forecast that. And the only way they might know that is to see the person re, uh, responding. Um, you ask a teenager, what? well, what were you thinking when you said that? What, well, how did you think that would make them feel? And they say, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Didn't think about it at all. They didn't think about it one bit. Didn't occur to them. So, it's really important to, um, uh, to, to, to kind of understand the sort of underlying problems, the, the things that make online bullying difficult, because um, online bullying is not just a thing that we need to say to kids, don't bully people online. Right. Right. That's not the, <laughs> that is not helpful. Uh, what we need to tell kids in online, about online bullying is like, here's what it looks like. Here's what you might do that would be bullying to somebody else, mm-hmm. right? We need to help them understand what's happening and game it out. And then we also need to normalize pe- people talking about it, um, sharing about it, confronting people about it, involving uh, loving adults in that process and all of that. Yeah. The, um, 
the, the emotional disconnect is always a really interesting one for me. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that you brought that up. And, and we do cover that in the um, kind of speaking adolescent crash course, in addition to um, sort of the weekly stuff that you put out related to um, adolescent brain science and those pieces. Right. Um, and we'll make sure to put that link in the chat as well. Um, and, you know, we, especially coming out of this season, right? Like COVID has forced so much more interaction to be online um, that I think people are almost out of practice with some of the in-person things as well. Uh, and right. so when we talk about like those micro cues or those macro behavior sort of cues, um, there are things that young people are missing because they haven't been in situations where that has been a required skill. Um, even though it's buried deep in there, right? Like the ability to mirror um, starts when you're an infant, you know, like right. if, if you've ever been with a newborn um, and they're more than like, I don't know, 72 hours old, if you smile at that baby, um, uh-huh. the baby has a really good chance of smiling back because mm-hmm. the brain is wired to mirror and share those emotions and do those pieces. So yeah. I, I don't know, maybe one of my questions, Jeremy, might be whether it's in person or digital, um, how do you help to in addition to asking those questions, like bring that emotional component or that emotive component to conversations, you know, how do you as a leader choose phrases or choose words that invite people to be in touch with their feelings and not only, you know, the feelings that they have, but be able to put themselves in the shoes of another and have a little bit of empathy. Yeah. I think like emotional intelligence is really important. Um, And as teenagers are developing, um, one of the things that is important is developing a vocabulary of emotions. Mm. Um, there's been uh, really interesting work done uh, that that shows that in certain cultures, um, in certain parts of the United States, in certain parts of the world, um, uh, different groups of kids are given different numbers of words to describe their emotions. Uh, and if you are in the right region and the, the right sort of subcategory of person, uh, you might only be told that, you know, you can be angry and happy and, um, and feel love. Right. Mm. Um, and so you say like, what are you feeling? I'm feeling angry. And you're like, you're feeling angry. Yeah. I'm feeling angry because I can't get this work done. And I, and, and that's actually not an accurate name for that emotion. Most likely it's probably more like frustrated or, um, or irritated, or, you know, there's a lot of other emotions. So one thing that I've always found helpful is something that uh, psych- psychologists use. There's different versions of it. But it's a it's an emotional word chart or wheel or something like that, where where as we are you know when we are talking, especially in small groups or whatever, if if we're gonna do some emotion work um, to to equip volunteers or teenagers with with more words, right? Yeah. So like those the emotion wheel will will start with some of those basic emotions like anger, happy, and then it like breaks out. There's like okay, this these are other more more specific words for that. I think that's an important part of that. Um, and it's important. So what's important is that not just they 
are developing the vocabulary, but they're tying the vocabulary with emotions. Sure. So when you, um, so the, the work to be done is to say, okay, let's put up a, a tweet on the screen that, that somebody in, in, this can be fun to do with like a celebrity flame war, right? And just put a celebrity's, you know, rude, bullying sounding tweet on the screen mm-hmm. and say, okay, now I want you to take out this wheel um, or pass it around. And I want you to imagine that that was said by somebody you know about you, mm-hmm. which emotion word describes how you would feel, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so... A, we're, we're naming cyberbullying. B, we are letting people sort of imagine that, uh, that that could happen, right? Something, uh, something that's posted would hurt somebody. And then C, we're helping them learn to process their emotions. Um, doing that kind of stuff can be really helpful, not just spiritually, but emotionally, right? Developmentally. To the to the students because cyberbullying is something that it's it it's bullying right it's it's what has been going on since like ever yeah <laughs> right Dennis the Menace and it, you know 1950s television shows showed it right um, and uh, yeah it, but it's just in a new form and so we have to take a little bit more intentional tack because it's not always observable. In the youth room, mm-hmm. right? Um, one of one of the other tools that I've used in the past with uh, some pretty good success is uh, empathy mapping. And okay. if somebody was to Google empathy map, um, uh-huh. it, it would take you to a whole bunch of different resources for that. But really, it's, it's can you give us the the the, the here's the, yeah, the 60, version 60, 60 second version. I can do that. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So most empathy maps would just be like <clears throat> a profile of someone's face, right? Um, and they're based on senses. So um, if you put that tweet on the wall, like you were talking about before, right? Like um, what does somebody who sees those words or mm. would see that action in the world, how would that make me feel if I was to see that? Um, yeah. If somebody who was me heard those words, how would I feel about them? If my parents heard about those words, how would that make them feel? Um, if somebody in my community, let's say it's something that had to do with like homelessness or poverty or something like that. Um, somebody who doesn't have a home, if you're, you know, going that route, if they heard these words, how would that make them feel? Right. Um, and it kind of builds up almost that empathy toolkit a little bit. Um, anyway, so thinking, feeling, seeing, hearing kind of based on human senses, but worthwhile, um, to be sure. And, (laughs) <laughs> the, the online expression, you know, it's also not a bullying. It's also not going to go anywhere. Um, right. I, I know that we've spent time talking about the effects that online bullying can have on youth. Maybe for our last five minutes, I, I guess I do want to recognize that it's not just a youth thing either. Um, that those who serve in the church uh, or have kind of publicly available profiles, no matter their age, are kind of exposed to bullying as well. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know, you know, do, do we have any suggestions for how to, you know, engage if you've got, uh, let's say you've got a parent who's kind of going like full Karen or full Kyle on you, right. um, and is just stirring the pot and kind of trying to be emotionally manipulative or, um, flip things around and get you in trouble, or they go to, you know, straight to SPR and start to, you know, 
kind of badmouth you across a bunch of digital spaces. Um, what what do you do? How do you approach that person? You don't just retreat into a shell, at least not for too long. I mean, I know being protective right. is important, but how do you start to engage and, and break through if you are on the receiving end of some cyberbullying? I think that's really an important thing to to think through because it does happen. And it can feel weird to call it cyberbullying when it's adults, but it's the same thing. It sure is. And, and again, um, if, we're, if we're going back to where we started our conversation, um, people will see your response, right? Uh -huh. Depending on what you right. choose to. So you have to be like intentional and think about that fishbowl or that, um, oh my gosh, I am responding as a church person to this, even if I'm very upset. Right. So yeah, I, I, there's two things, I think, um, because I've definitely experienced that. Um, and, uh, and so there's a couple of things I've started. If I'm making a post that I know might get somebody saying crazy stuff in the comments, right? I will say, you know, I, I don't want to say one cause I don't want to deal with the comments on this <laughs> podcast. Right. But, uh, let's just say i think squirrels are dumb <laughs> right hot and take hot take hot hot take hot take and uh if but if i if i say something that i know is going to get people all riled up um like dogs are the only real pets um <laughs> and cats are ridiculous then i put at the bottom fyi i am moderating these moderating the comments mm -hmm. and so if i see if somebody posts something that's just mean rude uh whatever delete it i just delete it yeah. i hide it because i don't want that to happen in my comments if though the something is something more substantial um and and is said in a somewhat civilized tone uh that maybe questions me uh, I generally, um, if it's something that is directed at me, uh, I don't defend me in comments, mm. right? Um, I will say, I appreciate that. I love for, I'd love right. to talk with you, um, to have a conversation with you, um, DM me and let's set up a time to chat or have coffee if we're, if that person's in person, right? If it's about, if it's something that is not directed at me, but it's directed at other people, then I do defend it, right? So I've had people um, uh, in a comment, you know, talk about, uh, you know, marginalized communities in a way that wasn't really helpful, but also wasn't, you know, horrible, right? Horrible, it's an automatic delete. Um, but if not, if, if it does appear that there could be a discussion, I, I will defend that group um, and, and speak up for them in my comments. Um, I think that's one thing that, that is important. But I think, it, think the, at, the, at the core of it is I generally want to pull the, pull the cyberbullying to an in-person or as much as close to in-person as possible because sometimes these people are far away. Um, but an in-person conversation. Um, so before I do that, though, I will go to my supervisor and say, yep. this happened. 
this is what they said. I think I just want to talk to them in person about it, right? They sent the letter to the SPR, whatever. Um, and I'll ask for the advice of my supervisor because sometimes uh, your supervisor will know something about the person that might say, this is not a good idea to do it in person, <laughs> right? There are some people that just, um, they're not in the right mental space to have a sort of productive in-person, you know, one-on-one -on -one conflict resolution kind of conversation. And, um, and you don't want to sort of put yourself at risk of more. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, getting it in person, they have to see your reaction. Mm. You have to see their reaction. And you should be two functional, relatively functional adults that could should be able to have a civilized conversation. And if you're not really sure, if you feel like you need another person, you can invite them to, to come and talk to you and have your supervisor or somebody else present. Um, you can take it to a coffee shop, which makes it feel a little less formal um, or, or somewhere like that. Um, that's that's how I generally respond and encourage others. What what about you, Chris? Well, I'm, I'm super glad that you brought up like the third per person and mediator kind of thing, because there are times that, you know, you just might not be comfortable being in the same place as a person, you know, like if it's a, um, if there's something that just has sort of been degrading for a long time, um, right, and, right. And it's a relationship that's already frayed, um, yep. The church staff that is there for you as the youth worker, again, whether you're paid or volunteer, um, yep. especially if you're volunteer, uh, that church staff, the rest of the church staff wants to be supportive of you and they want you to succeed, right? They want healthy yes. ministry at the church. I, I've never been in a church that's like, you know what? We really don't care if our youth ministry is healthy and functional or not. So <laughs> whatever, if you're having a problem go deal with it. You know, like I, I have not been in those situations. Uh, yeah. ho hopefully there's not many people that have had to be in those situations, right. but um, your church should want to be supportive of you. Right. Um, and if you are feeling bullied by somebody else, um, inviting transparency and inviting a, you know, third person or, or a couple other people into that dynamic to help you understand and to help the other person understand what's going on yeah. um, can be really, really helpful. Uh, the other thing that I do, I mean, it, it's the same thing that I would tell youth that are enduring any kind of bullying, and that is to like keep records. Um, yes. As painful as that might be, um, have good quality, um, you know, notes from phone calls, or um, if you've had a chat or text exchanges, like save those so that you mm -hmm. can show them and share them and say, listen, okay, if we're going back to empathy um, and, you know, how this felt to me. When I read this text that she sent me, it, it cut deep, right? Like this, this really hurt. And I need to share with you how much this hurt and why this hurt for me. Mm -hmm. uh, it may, you know, open up a conversation where, you know, okay, so that text is still true, right? Like um, this is what that person was trying to say. It may not change like the fact behind, you know, what was said that was hurtful, <clears throat> um, but it can start to open up that door a little bit for some empathy and some understanding on the other side. Um, yep. But yeah, record keeping as, as yep. lame as that sounds like have good records for uh, digital, digital conversations that go sideways. Yeah. 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 And speaking of record keeping. Yes. We actually have a crash course on youth ministry administration. 
Oh my gosh, we do. It I, doesn't I talk about this specific kind of record keeping, but record keeping is important. And uh, you should check that crash course out as well. Yeah. But I, this is our last one of these. We're not, we're not going on to administration. We already did that. We did. The uh, next when we were one young, is... And there wasn't as much gray in my beard. Drum roll, please. Discipleship. Discipleship. Yes. It's going to be oh, good. I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be so good. Well, Jeremy uh, and everybody watching live on Facebook, thanks for spending some time with us on a Thursday. Um, you can always, of course, listen to this and our whole series of Youth Worker Recharge podcasts uh, on the links from Young People's Ministries, umcyoungpeople.org. And uh, yeah, Jeremy, see you next time. See you next time.